Welcome Beyond Our Focus. I'm Stefan, this is Amanda, and this is Let's Palaver About Wizard and Glass. We are in, well, it is the fourth novel in the Stephen King's Dark Tower Saga. We are in part two, chapter one, called Beneath the Kissing Moon. There will be no kissing in this chapter. Are you sure? Yeah, pretty positive. Or in the next chapter. <laughs> Other things, <laughs> maybe. Kissing? No. <laughs> yes, we are going over two chapters because the first one is literally like eight pages long. Yeah, it's insanely short. And the second chapter itself, also not very long. So, yes, combined, they are a total of 22 pages. So, not very long. So, if you don't remember, we have officially gone into the telling of Roland's past. He is finally sitting down with everyone and telling them probably the biggest chapter of his life. And the tale of Susan Delgado. See, like the Star Wars uh, saga of movies, there's a huge, giant gap between when this book takes place and when all the other books take place. Yeah. Like an insane gap. Well, I mean, he's, what, 14 in this? I don't, I think so, because she's 16. And I don't so, remember what the age is. And we meet Roland when he's, what? 1,001? Something along those lines. <laughs> so there's just a, a very large gap between. This very important chapter in Roland's life. And what's happening now. Whee! So. We enter upon the kissing moon. Mm. A perfect disc of silver. The kissing moon. <laughs> it was called. It is. Okay. I can't read anymore. <laughs> As it was called in Full Earth. There we go. I don't know what's going on anymore. Anyway, as it was uh, Full Earth, hung above the ragged hill five miles east of Hanbury and ten miles south of Eyebolt Canyon. Below the hill, the late summer heat still held, uh, suffocating even two hours after sundown. But atop the coos, which I assume is how you say, kind of maybe say that? I, I assume so. Yeah. It was as if Reap had already come with its strong breeze, breezes and frost-pitching air. For the woman who lived here with no company but a snake and one old muty cat, it was to be a long night. Yes, it's going to be a long night. So, uh, it is now... We pretty much come upon this old lady who has just had three visitors leave her house or her home. Um, we find out the cat's name is Musty. It's a six-legged cat. Well, it's a four-legged cat with a couple extra limbs just hanging off. It's a six-legged cat. <laughs> eh, those other limbs don't do anything. They twitch. It's like you're a six-legged person right now because you have two braids. They don't do anything, but yeah, they count. We uh, find out very quickly that this woman has n a disdain for men. 
<laughs> she snorted. <laughs> Men were funny, eh? So they were. And the most amusing thing about them was how little they knew it. <laughs> she had just seen off the three big coffin hunters. Yes. Dun, dun, which we'll hear much more about them later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she goes on talking about how men have such pride and are stuck on themselves, and yet it's always a woman's fault if a child is born wrong. You gotta blame somebody. Yeah. Men. She could not understand why so many women feared them. Hadn't the gods made them with the most vulnerable part of their guts hanging right out of the bodies? He did. <laughs> Bastard. Kicked them there and they curled up like snails. Caressed them there and their brains melted. And then, of course, we find out she's waiting on somebody. She has another business to attend to. Hmm. I don't know if it's still here. None of these thoughts had any real power over her and any <clears throat> or any real malice to them. At least not now. The three men who called themselves the Big Coffiners had brought her a marvel. And she would look at it. Aye, fill up her eyes with it. So she would. The Gimp Jonas. Jonas? I guess it's Jonas. The Gimp Jonas had insisted she put it away. He had told her... Ah, she... He had been told she had a place for such things. Not that he wanted to see it himself. Not... Any of her secret places, God forbid. I would agree. Let's let's stay away from her secret places. At this, Sally, the Pape and Reynolds had laughed like trolls. I'm sure they had. Hmm. Yeah, there's it's, there's a lot of those things this, right here. This this chapter is very um, descriptive. Crudely descriptive, because yeah. a lot of it is what's going on in her mind, and she is not the most pleasant woman in the world. No, no. It's um, like, uh, and so she had, but the hoofbeats of the horses had been swallowed by the wind now, and she would do as she liked. The girls whose tits were stolen, what little there was of Hartthorne's mind, would not be here for another hour, at least. The old woman had insisted that the girl walk from town, citing the purification value of such a moonlit heel and toe. A moonlit heel and toe. A walk, maybe? Actually just waiting to put a safe bumper of time between her two appointments. And during that hour, she would do as she liked. Yes, she would. Yes. So... We, uh, throughout the chapter, we, we very, uh, often get, get the, um, how, how do we say this? She, she very much throughout this, these chapters likes to mention how, how turned on she gets by this, this oh, yeah. globe. And, uh. It comes up a lot. I don't know where Stephen King was exactly when he wrote these two <laughs> chapters, but he was someplace. He was someplace. So we have a very wretched, old, bow-legged witch lady who really likes to describe the feeling of her nether regions. Mm-hmm. 
Um, oh, that's what it is. Okay, so. I even through the box where they hid it, I felt its glam, so beautiful, musty, like you. She took the cat from her shoulder and held it in front of her eyes. The old Tom purred and stretched out its pug of a face toward hers. She kissed its nose. So when I read that, the first thing that came to mind, and I noted it, was Hermione's cat. But for the life of me, I couldn't remember its name until right this minute. Crookshanks. Mm-hmm. I don't know why when I wrote it down, I could not remember it until I actually read it again. It has six legs, too. <laughs> no, it just, it just like to hunt, you know, Peter Pettigrew's. She put the cat down and walked slowly towards the hearth, where it lay, where it late fire lazed, where it late fire lazed. Eating a single log. Musty's tail split at the tip so it looked like a forked tail of the devil in an old drawing. Sure. Switched back and forth in the room's dim orange glow. Its extra legs dangling from its side, twitching dreamily. Yes, yeah, so wonderful looking. Just the a- shadow which trailed across the floor and grew up the wall was a horror. A thing that looked like a cat crossed with a spider. So your best friend. Yeah. You would absolutely love to. I, I need to get you one for your birthday. Of course, if you can find a six-legged cat, you let me know. Oh no, I'm gonna find you a cat that's crossed with a spider. I mean, if you can find that too, let me know. That'd be interesting. Some gene splicing there, probably. You'll, you'll make an exception for that. Sure, why not? Um. Now she went to the foot of her bed, knelt. And passed one hand over the earth floor there. Lines appeared in the sour dirt as she did. They formed the square. She pushed her fingers into one of those lines and it gave before her touch. She lifted the hidden panel, hidden in such a way that no one without the touch would ever be able to uncover it. Revealing a compartment, perhaps a foot square and two feet deep, Within it was an iron wood box. Curled on top of the box was a slim green snake. When she touched its back, its head came up, its mouth yawned in a silent hiss, displaying four pairs of things. Two on top and two on bottom. To which, for some, some reason, she decides to just stick her tongue out, get some venom on her tongue... And just have a nice little small trip. Yeah, yeah, I mean. And then kiss the snake between the eyes and call it a day. Yeah. This is what witches do. Um, Apparently, apparently. Ermot. Ermot the snake. Uh, The box was locked and Jonas had given her no key. But that was nothing to her, who had lived long and studied much. And trafficked with creatures that most men, for all their bold talk and strutting ways, would run from, if on fire had they caught even the smallest glimpse of them. She stretched one hand towards the lock, on which was inlaid the shape of an eye, and a motto in high speech, I see who opens me, and then withdrew it. All at once, she could smell what her nose no longer noticed ordinary, under ordinary circumstances. 
Must and duct and dirty mattresses and the crumbs of food that had been consumed in bed. The mingled stench of ashes and ancient incense. The odor of an old woman with wet <laughs> eyes and... Uh, like, wet I... eyes. Wet <laughs> eyes. I thought you were just going to keep going. I was like, okay. We'll do this. We got there eventually, okay? She had wet eyes, okay? She would not open the box and look at the wonder it contained in here. She would go outside where the air was clean and the only smells were sage and mesquite. She would look by the light of the kissing moon. Rhea of the Coose Hill. Rhea of the Coose Hill. Pull the box from the hole with a grunt. Roast her feet with another grunt. And then we have. Why did we have to do that? I don't know. Tuck the box under her arm and left the room. You ever watch like? You ever feel like when you listen to someone read, you're just watching a train wreck? Because <laughs> that's sometimes what happens. Where it's like you know what's coming up, but they just keep reading, and you're like. Let's see, let's see. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. Because it's like sometimes you start reading something and you don't really know how far it goes. So you just keep reading and then you suddenly hit that part and you're like, oh shit. Well, we're just going to stop. We're going to stop right here. Yeah. <laughs> we don't really want to discuss the uh, Reese's nether regions a whole lot during this book. It's old, old. The witch that's like 4,000 years yeah. old who. <laughs> Bow-legged and. She's a hideous creature, as far as we we gather from this. I mean, they described her tongue as a bad smell or yellowish, bad smelling mat. Solid, solid. So, um, let's just never go there again. So she begins to just. She's outside, kind of just staring at the moon. She hears the thinny. So it says. At the top of the hill, the wind lifted her hair away from her ravaged face and brought her the moaning whisper of the finny, which had eaten its way into the far end of Eyebolt Canyon. It was a sound few cared for, she knew, but she herself loved it. To Ray of, Co- of the Coose, it sounded like a lullaby. Overhead rode the moon, the shadow on its bright skin sketching the faces of lovers kissing. If you believed the ordinary fools below that was... The ordinary fools below saw a different face, or set of faces, in each full moon. But the hag knew there was only one, the face of the demon, the face of death. She herself, however, had never felt more alive. Oh, my beauty, she whispered, and touched the lock with her gnarled fingers. A faint glimmer of red light showed between her bunched knuckles, and there was a click. Breathing hard like a woman who has run a race, she put the box down and opened it. Rose-colored light, dimmer than that thrown by the kissing moon, but infinitely more beautiful, spilled out. It touched the ruined face hanging above the box and for a moment made it the face of a young girl again. Musty sniffed, head stretched forward, ears laid back, old eyes rimmed with that rose light. Rhea was instantly jealous. Get away, foolish, tis not for the likes of you. She swatted the cat. Musty shied back, hissing like a kettle, and stalked into in dungeon to the hummock, which marked the very tip of Coos Hill. Within the box, peeping out of the velvet drawstring bag, was a glass globe. It was filled with that rosy light. It flowed in gentle pulses, like the beat of a satisfied heart. 
Oh, my lovely one, she murmured, lifting it out. She held it up before her. Let its pulsing radiance run down her wrinkled face like rain. Oh, ye live, so ye do. Suddenly the color within the globe darkened towards scarlet. She felt this thrum in her hands, like it, an immensely powerful motor. And again she felt that amazing things happened to her. <laughs> That title talk she believed had been left behind long ago. All right, they just cannot help. They cannot help. I was just watching the train wreck happen. Like I thought you were just gonna just stop at powerful motor because you'd paused, and then I was like, nope, he's going for it. So why didn't read that far ahead? (laughs) Remember that though they exist. We just like talking about it too much. King, did you have a thing for old women? I mean, what was going on here? Then the thrumming died, and the light in the globe seemed to furl up like petals. Where it had been, there was now a pinkish gloom, and three riders coming out of it. At first, she thought it was the men who had brought her the globe, Jonas and the others. But no, these were younger, even younger than, did you say de pape? De pap? I would say de pape. De pape? Personally, but I don't know. Who was about 25. The one on the left of the trio appeared to have a bird's skull mounted on the pommel of his saddle. Strange, but true. Then that one and the one on the right were gone, darkened away somehow by the power of the glass, leaving only the one in the middle. She took in the jeans and boots he wore, the flat-brimmed hat that hid the upper half of his face, the easy way he sat his horse, and her first alarmed thought was, Gunslinger, come east from the inner baronies. Aye, perhaps from Gilead itself. But she did not have to see the upper half of the rider's face to know he was little more than a child, and there were no guns on his hips. Yet she didn't think the youth came unarmed. If only she could see a little better. She brought the glass almost to the tip of her nose and whispered, Closer, lovey, closer still. She didn't know what to expect. Nothing at all seemed most likely. But within the dark circle of the glass, the figure did come closer, swam closer, almost like a horse and rider underwater. And she saw there was a quiver of arrows on his back. Before him, on the pommel of his saddle, was not a skull, but a short bow. And to the right side of the saddle, where a gunslinger might have carried a rifle and a scabbard, there was the feather-fluffed shaft of a lance. He was not one of the old people. His face had none of that look. Yet she did not think he was of the outer ark, either. But who are ye, Cully, she breathed, and how shall I know ye? You've got your hat pulled down so far, I can't see your god-pounding eyes. So ye do, by your horse, mayhap, or perhaps by your... Get away, Musty, why do you trouble me so? Arr! The cat had come back from its lookout point and was twining back and forth between her swollen old ankles wowing up at her in a voice even more rusty than its purr. So she kicks at him and then re-kicks out again. This one just as ineffective as the first one. Then looked into the glass once more. The horse and its interesting young riders were gone. The rose light was gone as well. It was now just a dead glass ball she held. It's only light a reflection burrowed from the moon. The wind gusted past her dress against the of her body, musty, blah, blah, blah. What's the next part? 
Musty, undaunted by the feeble kicks of his mistress, darted forward and began to twine about her ankles again, crying up at her the whole time. There, do you see what you've done, ye nasty bag of fleas and disease? The light's gone out of it, gone out just when I... Then she heard a sound from the cart track which led up to her hut and understood why Musty had been acting out. It was singing, she heard. It was the girl, she heard. The girl was early. Grimacing horribly, she loathed being caught by surprise, and the little mist down there would pay for doing it. She bent and put the glass back in its box. The inside was lined with padded silk, and the ball fit as neatly as the breakfast egg in his lordship's cup. And still from down the hill, the cursed wind was wrong, or she would have heard it sooner. The sound of the girl singing now closer than ever. Love, oh love, oh careless love. Can't you see what careless love has done? Caught off guard. Susan moving a little too quick. Yeah. Yes, so she tries, first she tries to lock the box and it won't lock again and she doesn't have time to deal with it. So she quickly just like jumps and pretty much like runs to her house, like sprints inside. Hoping, yeah. Pretty much hoping the girl has not seen anything. Oh yeah, yeah. She gets the box, picks it up, lifts up her skirt a little bit and runs. This old haggard woman running, hoping that Susan did not see her. Doesn't think she saw her. Because she still hears her singing. Yes, and pretty much she had, even though she's pretty much just pissed at this girl now, she realizes she can't do anything, because if she does anything to girl, the girl, then the mayor will be mad at her. Mm-hmm. And she can't have the mayor mad at her, because she kind of needs to work, pretty much. But I do love, I, everything's kind of just like, the whole old-fashioned thing, but sometimes things just kind of stick out where it's like... What, I? But no fear of that. Uh, and in the meantime, and in the meantime, possession was nine-tenths of the yeah. law. <laughs> were it not? Yeah. Sure. I mean, we say that now. I don't know if you say it then or when. When, or... It, when is the idea? So, yes. So, she runs. Uh, she could still run when she had to, I. Though few would. Uh, or who would believe it? I hear who would believe it. Anyway, that's the end of chapter one. Yeah. Good old Rhea running back to her house because Susan is way early. Like, I don't know, like 30, 45 minutes early? Like, insanely early. Because she was supposed to just kind of walk. And as she walked, she was supposed to be chanting something. She did not do that. No? So, chapter two, called Proving Honesty. And whatever you're thinking right now, how would a woman prove honesty? It's right. You're right. <laughs> okay. A little bit more context. No? No. No more context. No. Because they did talk about it earlier and we kind of just skipped over did we yeah um it's been pretty made pretty much made clear that the mayor um is specifically sending this girl to her and she's supposed to test this girl for honesty yes so now whatever you're thinking yes <laughs> yes 
because it was it was made pretty clear that um this 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 mayor guy is a yeah is is needing a side woman. Yes, I don't know if it was this one or the last one, but it talks about how his woman is can't can't give him a boy, can't give him a son. I don't remember if it was this chapter or the last chapter. Doesn't matter, but the mayor's wife cannot give him a son. Yeah, it's this. It's coming up. Yeah. So when you can't give a son, you get a side chick, and the side chick will give you a son. Pretty much. Or I better give him a son. Give you a son. So if she runs inside her house, she pretty much can't open the hidey hole because it takes too long. So she kind of shoves it under the bed, and as she turns away to leave, the box clicks itself open, and you can see pink light coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan Delgado stopped about 40 yards from the witch's hut, the sweat chilling on her arms and the nape of her neck. Had she just spied on an old woman? Surely the one she had come to see, dart down that last bit of path leading from the top of the hill? She thought she had. Don't stop singing. When an old lady hurries like that, she doesn't want to be seen. If you stop singing, she'll likely know she was. For a moment, Susan thought she'd stop anyway, that her memory would close up like a startled hand and deny her another verse of the old song which she had been singing since youngest childhood. But the next verse came to her, and she continued on. Once my cares were far away. Yes, once my cares were far away. Now my love has gone from me. And misery is in my heart to stay. Yay! It's beautiful. Lovely, Susan. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. A bad song for a night such as this, mayhap. But her heart went and Solonay without much interest in which in what her head thought or wanted. Yeah. I don't know sure. if it was a great song for tonight. <laughs> yeah, she, On her way to the witch's house. So she's been singing about careless love. She pretty much has been worried about werewolves and just things in the night getting to her. So she decided to start singing. And she ended up running instead. It yep. was like I need to walk and chant some stuff, and I was just, I just bolted. Yeah, she was frightened to be out by the moonlight, when werewolves were said to walk. She was frightened of her errand. She was frightened by the, what the errand pretended. Pretended? I don't even know where you are. Yet when she had gained the great road out of Hembury, and her heart had demanded she run, she had run. I think we. I don't. Okay. I can speak personally. I can't say we all because I don't know if you have. But I think we most of us had had that moment outside where it's like, I'm going to just take a nice walk. And then you start walking and just something. I don't know. It could be, it doesn't even have to be a noise. It could just be this feeling that you get. And then just suddenly you're like, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to walk. I'm just going to run. I'm just going to run. It's fine. Or your mind gets away from you. It gets away from you. <laughs> like, In the dark can be scary. <laughs> it doesn't even have to go like that far either to where it's like, oh, something's coming to get me. It's just like, I was going to take a nice walk. Now I just want to get to the destination just a little, just a little bit sooner. It's fine. It's, it's kind of the sooner. same feeling that you get when you start at one end of the hallway 
and then you like take a couple steps and suddenly you're like, you know what? It's fine. I'll just run to my room. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) Now she walked to the end of the path, singing the chorus of careless love as she stepped into the scant light which fell through the open door and onto the stoop. A harsh rain crow voice spoke from the shadows. Stop your howling, Missy. It catches in my brains like a fish hook. Damn, woman. Yeah. Susan, who had been told all her life that she had a fair singing voice, a gift from her grandma, no doubt fell silent at once. Abashed. She stood on She stood on the stoop. With her hands clasped in front of her apron, beneath the apron she wore her second best dress. She only had two. Beneath it, her heart was thumping very hard. A cat, a hideous thing with two extra legs sticking out of its sides like toasting forks, came into the doorway first. It looked up at her, seemed to measure her, then screwed its face up in a look that was eerily human. Contempt. It hissed at her, then flashed away into the night. Well, good evening to you, too, Susan thought. The old woman she had been sent to see stepped into the doorway. She looked Susan up and down with the same expression of flat-eyed contempt, then stood back. Come in, and mind ye clap the door tight. The wind has a way of blowing it open, as ye see. Yes, she said, smiling. She tried to make a good one. Bright and unafraid. Here I am. And it's early you are, my little sweetie. Sweetening? Sweetening? Sweetening. Sweetening. I like sweetening better. Early you are, he. I ran part of the way. The moon got into my blood, I suppose. That's what my dad would have said. The old woman's horrible smile widened into something that made Susan think of the way eels sometimes seem to grin. After death and just before the pot. Aye, but dead he is. Dead these five years, Pat Delgado, of the red hair and beard. The life mashed out of M by his own horse, aye and went into the clearing at the end of the path with the music of his own snapping bones in his ears, so he did. What a... Oh, just horrible! Beep! Oh, it's just horrible! Mmm, just freaking just... Beautiful woman. Beautiful woman. Oh yeah, she's a wonderful lady. The nervous smile slipped from Susan's face as if slapped away. She felt tears, always close at the mere mention of her da's name burn at the back of her eyes but she would not let them fall not in this heartless old crow's sight she wouldn't let our business be quick and be done she said in a dry voice that was far from her usual one that voice was usually cheery and merry and ready for fun but she was pat delgado's child daughter of the best drover ever to work the western drop and she remembered his face very well she could rise to a stronger nature required as it now clearly was. The old woman had meant to reach out and scratch as deep as she could, and the more she saw that her efforts were succeeding, the more she would redouble them. The hag, meanwhile, was watching Susan shrewdly, her bunch-knuckled hands planted on her hips while her cat twined around her ankles. 
Her eyes were roomy, but Susan saw enough of them to realize they were the same gray-green shade as the cat's eyes and to wonder what sort of fell magic that might be. She felt an urge, a strong one, to drop her eyes and would not. It was all right to feel fear, but sometimes a very bad idea to show it. You look at me pert, Missy, Ray said at last. Her smile was dissolving slowly into a petulant frown. Nay, old mother, she replied evenly. Only as one who wishes to do the business she came for and be gone. I have come here at the wish of my lord mayor of Magis. Magis. Magis, 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 Magis. And at the of my aunt Cordelia, sister of my father. My dear father, of whom I would hear no ill spoken. I speak as I do, the old woman said. <laughs> the words were dismissive, yet there was a trace of fawning servility in the hag's voice. Susan set no importance on that. It was a tone such a thing as this had probably adopted her whole life, and came as automatically as breath. I have lived alone a long time, with no mistress but myself, and once it begins, my tongue goes where it will. Then sometimes it might be best not to let it begin at all. <laughs> the old woman's eyes flashed ugly. Curb your own stripling, girl, lest you find it dead in your mouth, where it will rot and make the mayor think twice about kissing you. When he smells it stink, I even under a moon such as this. We have begun badly, mistress. <laughs> Can we start open? Susan asked suddenly and held out her hand. The hag looked startled. Although she did reach out and make brief contact, the wrinkly tips of her finger touched the short nailed fingers of a 16-year-old girl who stood before her with her clear-skinned face shining and her long hair braided down her back. Susan had made a real effort not to grimace at the touch, which I could understand. Brief as it was, the old woman's fingers were as chilly as those of a corpse, but Susan had touched chilly fingers before. Cold hands, warm hearts, Aunt Cord sometimes said. Mm -hmm. sure. We haven't gotten there. Well, we won't for a while. It doesn't really matter. Aunt Cord? Yeah. You know yeah. what? She must be as bad as the witch. Just go throw it out there. Cold hand, warm heart does not describe Aunt Cord. <laughs> no! That is like, that's hip hypocrisy all over. Oh my god, I hate that woman. Anyway, the real unpleasantness was the texture, the feel of cold flesh, spongy and loose on the bones, as if the woman to whom they were attached had drowned and lain along in some pool. Nay, nay, there's no starting over, the old woman said. Yet, mayhap, we'll go on better than we have begun. We've a powerful friend in the mayor, and I'd not have him for my enemy. She's honest, at least, Susan thought. <sighs> yeah. Woman says whatever the heck she wants to say. You came before me, I expected you, and it's put me out of my temper, so it has. Mm -hmm. Have you brought me something, Missy? You have, I'll warrant. Her eyes were glittering once more, this time not with anger. So Susan pulls out a little pouch that has two gold coins in it. Of course, the old lady does the whole bite test, and we get a nice description of her ugly ass. Mm -hmm. Mess of a mouth. I was half expecting, you know, one of her teeth to just snap off on the coin, but that was me. With Ray's attention was distracted by the coins, Susan hoped happened to look around the open door to her left and into it what she assumed was the witch's bedchamber. And here she saw an odd and disquieting thing, a light under the bed, a pink pulsing light. 
It seemed to be coming from some kind of box, although she could not quite... The witch looked up, and Susan hastily moved her eyes to a corner of the room. There was a net containing three or four strange white fruits hung from a hook. Then, as the old woman moved and her huge shadow danced ponderously away from the part of the wall, Susan saw they were not fruits at all, but skulls. She felt a sickish drop in her stomach. Yeah. The fire needs building up, Missy. Go around to the side of the house and bring back an armload of wood. Good-sized sticks are what's wanted. And never mind whining your old lug lug No mind whining, you can't lug em. You're of a strapping good size, so you are. She's almost, she she tries to get his bag like Gasher over here trying to speak. <laughs> like, can we? These aren't real words. You're just saying things. You're mumbling. Susan had quite uh, quit whining about chores around the time she had quit peeing your pants. Yeah, I think that's basically what they're saying. Uh, all did, did cross her mind to ask Rhea if anyone who brought her gold was invited to lug her wood. In truth, she didn't mind. The air outside would taste like wine after the stench of this hut. She had almost reached the door when her foot struck something hot and yielding. The cat yelled. Susan stumbled and almost fell. From behind her, the old woman issued a series of gasping, choking sounds, of which Susan eventually recognized as laughter. The cat looked up at Susan. Its ears laid back, its gray-green eyes wide. It hissed at her. And Susan, unaware she was going to do it until it was done, hissed back. That's what I do. Yeah. You want to bark at me? You want to... I can do that too. I'm capable. I'm bigger than you. So she goes outside and she goes to the side of the house. The wrong yes. side of the house. says... Around the side of the house she went, but it was the wrong side, it seemed, for there was no wood pile here. There was a narrow excuse for a window, however, half buried in some tough and unlovely creeper. It was toward the back of the hut and must look into the old woman's sleeping closet. Don't look in there. Whatever she's got under her bed isn't your business. And if she were to catch you... She went to the window despite these admonitions and peeked in. So every single person ever, where it's your voice, that voice inside your head is going, hey, whatever you do, don't go there. We don't need to do this. It's fine. Bad idea. But your curiosity, like, you're already already there. You're like, do not look in. Oh, we're already at the window. (laughs) The classic uh, devil angel on your shoulder. Which one do you (laughs) listen to? She went to the window despite, okay. It was unlikely that Ray would have seen Susan's face through the dense overgrowth of pig ivy, even if the old besom had been looking in the direction, and she wasn't. She was on her knees. Uh, the drawstring bag caught on her teeth, reaching under the bed. Um, she brought out a box and opened its lid, which was already ajar. Her face was flooded with a soft pig radiance, and Susan gasped. For one moment, it was the face of a young girl, but one filled with cruelty as well as youth. The face of a self-willed child determined to learn all the wrong things for all the wrong reasons. The face of the girl this hag once had been. The light appeared to be coming from some sort of glass ball. 
So pretty much she watches her kind of close the thing, lock it back, and open her little door thingy and put it back in. Mm-hmm. Um, then something in Susan's head. Yeah. The wood, Susan! Get the wood before she wakes up to how long you've been gone. For your father's sake. Yeah, you've been lingering out there an awful long time. So she lifts up her skirt so she doesn't get it dirty, crawls under the window, goes all the way around the house, and then gets the wood. And Yeah, so it says, uh... Took you long enough, Missy, Ray said. She accounted. She continued to look into the fireplace as if Susan were of no account. But one foot tapped below the dirty hem of her dress, and her eyebrows were drawn together. Susan crossed the room, peering over the load of wood in her arms as well as she could while she walked. It wouldn't surprise her a bit to spy the cat lurking near, hoping to trip her up. I saw a spider, she said. I flapped my apron at it to make it run away. I hate the look of them, so I do. You'll nope. see something you like the look of even less soon enough, Ray said, grinning her peculiar one-sided grin. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, pretty much you'll be seeing a, a lot of thorn that you don't want to see. Yeah, mere thorn. Hold a minute, girl. Ye gods, you've brought enough for a Faraday bonfire. The Faraday bonfire. <laughs> She tossed them indifferently into the coals. Ember spiraled up the dark and faintly roaring shaft of the chimney. There, you've scattered what's left of your fire, you silly old thing, and we'll likely have to rekindle the whole mess. Susan thought. Then Ray reached into the fireplace with one splayed hand, spoke a guttural word, and the logs blazed up as if soaked in oil. Put the rest over there, she said, pointing at the wood box. And mine need not be scatterbark, missy. What, and dirty all this neat, Susan thought. She bit the insides of her cheeks to kill the smile that wanted to rise on her mouth. This is where my fancy picture is. Oh. Oh, no, mine, I must have been back farther. No, actually. No, it was actually up, up, for. Up, 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 up. No, it's right there. It's a little bit closer to the actual proving. And the cat's limb doesn't look very good on its own. No, it's just hanging out there. Yeah. All right, mistress. Let's do our business and have it done. Do you know why you're here? I'm here at Mayor Thorne's wish, Susan repeated, knowing that was no real answer. She was frightened now, more frightened than when she had looked through the window and seen the old woman crooning to the glass ball. His wife has come barren to the end of her courses. He wishes to have a son before he is also unable to... Push, Tish! Spare me the Coswallop... Wallop... Wallop... Coswallop? Coswallop. And pretty words. He wants... (laughs) Tits and earth. That don't squish in his hands, and a buck that that'll grip when he's pushing. So yeah, hmm. he wants a nice young thing. If a son come of it, a fine, he'll give it over to ye to keep and raise until it's old enough to school, and after that you'll see it no more. If it's a daughter, he'll likely take it from ye and give it to his new man, the one with the girl's hair and the limp, to drown in the nearest cattle wallow. Susan stared at her, shocked out of all measure. 
The old woman saw the look and laughed. Don't like the sound of the truth, do you? Few do, Missy. That's, but that's neither here nor there. Your auntie was ever a trig one, and she'll have done all right out of Thorn and Thorn's treasury. What gold you see of it's none of mine, and won't be none of yours either if you don't watch sharp. He, take off your dress. So she has to strip down in front of this old nasty woman. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got one more note before... Uh... I skipped like three pages. There's dirt on your knees. That's the note right there. (laughs) How came it there? Susan felt a moment of awful panic. She had lifted her skirts to crawl beneath the hag's window and hung herself by doing it. When then an answer rose to her lips and she spoke it calmly enough. When... I came in sight of your hut. I grew fearful. I knelt to pray and raised my skirts so as not to soil it. That's what it was. That's what you did. I'm touched to want a clean dress for the likes of me. How good ye are. Don't you agree, Musty? The cat wowed, then began to lick one of its forepaws. Get on with it, Susan said. You've been paid and I'll obey, but stop teasing and have done. You know what it is I have to do, mistress. I don't. Her court didn't want to say. <laughs> She's too nice. She's too nice to say what your aunt Cordelia won't. I'm sure to make. I'm sure he. I'm to make sure that you're physically and spiritually intact, Missy. Proving honesty is what the old ones called it, and it's a good enough name, so it is. Step to me, and then proceeds the test. Yep, all the all all the fancy tests. Just uh, a nice quiz. Essentially. Rhea inspects all of Susan's holes. <laughs> Pretty much she gets a physical. She gets, she gets a physical by a gynecologist. Inspects all the holes. So, uh, which is weird considering the, what was the first one going to do? The first one was her just literally breathing into race. Well, what, what the hell is that going to do? I don't know, but I'm saying inspecting all the holes. Yeah, I can understand. Because, like, the horse tests where you, like, check their gums and their teeth. And you got to make like, sure all it's good. That I could have understood. Rhea is a dentist. Rhea is a gynecologist. Rhea is a doctor. Rhea is a... <laughs> but see, that's the thing. If she would have, like, checked her teeth and stuff, that would have made sense. But no, all she did was breathe on her. Oh, there's the spiritual test, too. Okay. Oh, <laughs> no, she's a witch. I'd be also, also, what is it, the tickle test? She had to lift her foot so she could, like, just fiddle with her ankle? What the f- Well, she fiddles with everything else. <laughs> I'm just saying. These tests is the ankle are- the really, is that really what we're worried about? This, this test, I'm skipping, we all know those ones, but I'm just skipping over those ones to go to the most abnormally stupid ones. <laughs> like, what, I'm making sure, Thorne wanted to me to let you know, or let him know, whether you're ticklish or not. <laughs> I mean, she inspects her very well, all but, over, and everything. But she does, uh, right at the beginning, like, uh, finally it gets to the last test, pretty much. And it says, Susan closed her eyes and thought of horses running along the drop. Nominally, nominally they were the Barony's horses, overlooked by Reimer, Thorne's chancellor, and the Barony's minister of inventory. 
but the horses didn't know that. They thought they were free, and if you were free in your mind, what else mattered? Let me be free in my mind, as free as the horses along the drop, and don't let her hurt me. Please don't let her hurt me, and if she does, please help me to bear it in decent silence. And then Ray goes to weird-ass levels. Like, it turns from a gynecology exam to a porno, pretty much. Pretty much? Like, it was... That that was the porno. Is that some woman walks into the gynecologist and they're like, We're here for your exam. And it's like... Except this is million-year-old lady. Yeah, oh. just ugly... Uh, this is like what is it, rule 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 thirty four rule whatever. I think it's rule thirty four. Yeah. So whatever your fetishes are, either way. All right, you finished what you what you were paid to do. Susan said, her voice was dry and harsh. Reese's face nodded. You'll not tell me I know. Yes or maybe. Impertinent stripling of a girl. I know when I'm done. I, Rhea, the weirding of a coos, and be still and be on your feet before I kick you into the fire, unnatural thing. I don't know. It's not bad. It's not great. It's not to threat the witch. I mean, yay, yay. Reed's going to kill you. But remember, Mayor. <sighs> It still was a horrible, horrible idea, but I'm just saying. (sighs) Raise hand or foot to me, you impotent fool, and what leaves my house will leave handless, footless, and blind of eye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the ice cream truck. Yes, we do have an ice cream truck. I'm like, what is that noise? Yes, we have an ice cream truck that drives around. Never, never flagged it down at all, but it's there. It's yeah, there. We used to have one in our old neighborhood. I don't, I do not much doubt you could do it, but Thorn should be vexed, Susan said. It was the first time in her life she had ever invoked a man's name for protection. Realizing this made her feel ashamed, small somehow. She didn't know why that should be, especially since she had agreed to sleep in his bed and bear his child. But it was. We don't have much left. Uh We also don't have much time left. Well, literally, all it is is that Ray tries to give some kind of weird-ass apology. Like, oh, I just got a little carried away. My bad. Uh, Don't speak of this to anyone. Uh, So she... Looks for her notepad, a very traditional notepad yeah. to what we know. And a stub of a pencil. Yeah, yeah. Sitgo. Of course. Sitgo stamped on it in ancient gold letters. Where uh, she writes, honest. It's spelled O-N-N-E-S-T. Good enough. With like a pitchfork as a signature. Yep. But according to her, cannot be copied and is known to all around. So then she goes on to pretty much say that it's very important you tell... First off, 
This note can only be given to you, to Thorin. You can show your aunt, but your aunt can't have it. Yep. She has to be given. And also, you can't. he can't sleep with you. He can't sleep with you yet. Nope. He can't sleep with you until after the bonfire. Yes. Of the... Demon moon. Until demon moon rises full in the sky. Not until reaping. Yes. Not three until... Three months. Yeah, so three months from now. Which Susan is thrilled about. Oh, yeah. She is like, I have time. This is great. And then she's finally like, oh, wait, wait, wait. There is one more small thing that I need you to do. She's like, okay, what was it? And then next thing you know, she's doing some... She has a medallion in front of her face. Nope. It's the old hypnotized trick. Except Roland's bullet. It's uh, it's a little more traditional. Medallion, yeah. Says, until Ray spoke a single guttural word that was. Then they closed. So, now Susan's just kind of deadpan in front of her. And she's in her mind going, oh, I'm going to do so many things to you. Like Ray looked at the girl who stood asleep in, on her stoop in the moonlight as she replaced the medallion with her sleeve. Her fingers were old and bunchy, but they moved dexterously. Hey, enough with the required. Why oh, the mysterious expression full of things? Her was replaced. For kick me into the fire, would you, you troll? Tattled to Thorin, but her threats and impudence, 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 weren't the worst. The worst had been the expression of revulsion on her face when she had pulled back from Rhea's touch. Too good for Rhea, she was. And thought to herself, too good for Thorn as well? No doubt. She, with 16 years worth of fine blonde hair hanging down from her head. She could hurt the girl, much as she wanted, and to as much as the girl deserved it. If nothing else, Thorn might take the glass ball away from her. And Rhea couldn't bear that, not yet, anyway. So she could not hurt the girl. But she could do something that would spoil his pleasure in her, at least for a while. Rhea leaned close to the girl, grasped the long blonde hair, which lay on her back, and began to slip it through her fist, enjoying the silky smoothness. Susan, she whispered. Do you hear me, Susan, daughter of Patrick? Yes. The eyes did not open. Then listen. The light of the kissing moon fell on Rhea's face and turned it into silver face and turned it into a silver skull. Listen to me well and remember, remember in the deep cave where your waking mind never goes. She pulled the braid through her hand again and again, silky and smooth like the little bud of a flower. <laughs> like, okay, I didn't realize we were going to go there. Remember, the girl in the doorway said, Aye, there's something you'll do after he takes your virginity. You'll do it right away without even thinking about it. Now listen to me, Susan, daughter of Patrick, and hear me very well. Still stroking the girl's hair, Rhea put her wrinkled lips to the smooth cup of Susan's ear and whispered in the moonlight. And all on that butt. I was like, and he's walking right into it. He's walking, and like, I forgot this was sad. How far are we going next? We've got a moment or two we can... Oh, three, four, that's, that's another 22 pages. So I'll probably just do one page, one chapter next time. So next is chapter three. 
A meeting on the road. We'll be going to chapter four, long after moonset. So that was a fun couple chapters. That was right? a lot. Right? It was a lot. It was too much. Like, it, it didn't need to be that. It didn't need to be what it was. But it was what it was. And it was just like creepy old woman. Ah, creepy old lady. Well, she's a witch. She's an ancient, old, crazy witch. And, very, very lonely witch. And very, you very know what? It's going to get crazier as it goes on. So. Well, if you'd like that, you can please throw a comment down below. Let us know what you thought or what you're thinking of the book so far. We don't know where you are, where you're going to be, if you're reading it at all. Um... Throw a like on the video because we'd appreciate that. Throw a subscription because I love that. Those things just keep moving back and forth. I just can't keep track of it. And um, anything else? I think we're good. All right. As always, you can reach me at Stars on Travels. Reach a minute at KZ Pup. Reach a show at Beyond Our Focus. Everywhere, including YouTube and podcast services around the globe. Maybe. Maybe. But any final thoughts before we bounce out of here? Hi, hazelnut M&M's. They're pretty darn As long as you're tasty. not allergic. That's what we've been eating the whole podcast, and it's very tasty. Podcast. Pad Podcast? Podcast. Badcast. Badcast. Probably. Probably. This was. This was badcast. <laughs> this was train wreck cast. <sighs> it is what it is. It's, we're going to have to deal with a lot of that, I think, for this whole book, so. Creepy old woman. Well, Creepy old woman. Well, not doing what she did in this particular chapter. Roland's gonna get through a lot of that. Well, <laughs> anyways, at least at least that seems more natural, okay, than creepy old woman touches sixteen-year-old girl. Okay? Yeah, I mean it's, it's probably like sixty, seventy, eighty years between yeah, the two of them. So nasty as hell. Anyways, but... <laughs> till next time, long days and pleasant.